The number of cyber attacks in the country has witnessed a threefold increase over as many years. Industry data shows that 2022 has been the worst year so far for India when it comes to cyber attacks. Organizations are now far more vulnerable to cyber threats due to the rising usage of digital information and technology in daily operations. These attacks are taking place across several sectors such as IT, BFSI, retail, manufacturing, etc. Cyber attacks lead to huge financial loss, IT restructuring, loss of trust and reputation, and long-term ramifications. Cyber attacks are constantly evolving and organizations cannot afford to take them for granted. It is without a doubt that cybersecurity has to be every organization's priority. Hi everyone, welcome back to One More Podcast. This is your host Rangoli and today we have with us Purnima Dibal, co-founder and chief product officer at Menlo Security. And today we will be discussing about the company, importance of cybersecurity solutions to combat attacks and future plans for the company. Welcome Purnima, it's a pleasure to be in this conversation with you today. Thank you Rangoli, very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me to talk about this very important topic. The pleasure is ours, ma'am. And let's let's start with telling our listeners a brief about Menlo Security and the services that you offer to the clients. Perfect. Um, so Menlo Security, as, as you mentioned, is a cybersecurity startup. Um, we started the company in the year 2013, and we offer web security and email security solutions to our customers. Our customers are some of the most security conscious uh, companies in the world, Um, large financials and government critical infrastructure. These are some of our our kind of key customers. Now from a Menlo Securities unique differentiator perspective, When we started the company in 2013, we looked around and recognized then, and even to some extent now, many of the cybersecurity solutions rely on what we call detect and block, right? So it means that they know something about the threat, be it a file or a website, and based on that knowledge, they're able to protect their users. And that detection capability is based on, you know, security research or other learning capabilities of of that particular cybersecurity product and company. And we recognize that most of the time it is this kind of never ending cat and mouse game, right? So the solutions or the products are able to detect something and then protect their users and the bad guys come up with a new technique that circumvents that that detection capability. So when we started the company, we wanted to bring a change in architecture. So the the once a product has been deployed, once our product has been deployed along the web or email vector at a customer site, the customer no longer has to worry about it and they can be definitive that they're protected. So with that kind of thought process in mind, we we introduced to the market what we call isolation. And the idea of isolation is that when you are browsing to a, to a, a website on the internet or when you're clicking on a link in your email, 
none of the active content, the, the real kind of crux of the problem that starts all of these cybersecurity problems or attacks ever comes down to your user's laptop or desktop. So you're secure because of that architecture where no active content is running on your endpoint and your users continue to be able to interact with that website and that email link, but, but nothing um, is, is able to deliver any kind of malware or, or badness to your endpoint. So you're secure by architecture, not because the solution knows something about the badness of what you're interacting with, but that separation, that isolation, the air gap between your user's endpoint and your target website is what keeps you safe. So, so that was kind of our big innovation. We're the pioneers of that technology and best in the world in terms of isolation in protecting our end customers and users. It was a long answer, hopefully, um, that made sense. Not really, ma'am. Uh, thank you. I would actually like to thank you for such, an, uh, such a comprehensive answer so that you know our users get to know the visions and uh, whatever Menlo is doing right now. And on that note, I believe most of our listenership for this particular podcast is from India. So what do you think, what is the role of the Indian Center in Menlo's overall product development? Yeah, that, that's an excellent question and something that I'm very fond about talking talking to. Um, so we started um, our, our India initiative in 2021. Um, at the time, we most of our development was in, in the US and in the UK. And at the time, we wanted to tap into another market in terms of, of talent. Um, based on introductions from our venture capital investors, we actually started with kind of the world is our oyster. We will go anywhere where there is the right kind of talent for us to tap into. So we explored other kind of South American um, cities. We looked at European cities. We looked at far, you know, Southeast Asia and far, far East Asian countries. And when we looked at all of the demographics of the talent available and the kind of um, products that we wanted to develop, we actually ended up choosing Bangalore after a fairly exhaustive um, uh, research on all of the options that were available to Menlo. And the reason we chose Bangalore was over the last many decades, as some of the largest enterprise companies and largest enterprise security companies have, have been in Bangalore, we now have a talent of senior leadership and just really good solid security talent that can address the enterprise market. And so we decided to, to, to start our initiative um, in Bangalore. And now having talked about the initiative, I also want to describe what we actually do in Bangalore. So unlike a lot of other companies where you may be um, starting a, a particular development function, like a lot of companies may start with, hey, we're going to do our quality testing in Bangalore, whereas the development can, can will continue to stay in, in the US. We, from the very beginning, had the, <clears throat> had the vision and, and kind of the goal 
of creating an autonomous product team in Bangalore. So today our Bangalore office includes an entire development framework that has development engineers who actually develop the product, you know, quality testing engineers who test that product, and the entire product actually ships from our Bangalore center um, in, in terms of that autonomous initiative, right? In addition to that, we've also found talent in terms of security research, which really helps us with training not only kind of our customers, but also our partners and resellers in terms of upskilling their cyber knowledge. Um, so security research is a very important function that we also have representation in our Bangalore office. We also do our customer support and, and global professional services uh, uh, from the Bangalore office to help with our global 24-7 coverage. And of course, we have kind of our IT and security services for our own employees. So when you look at kind of the entirety of everything we do in Bangalore, it's a completely, you know, self-sustaining, multifunctional, and a very robust and vibrant team that we have created there. And to their credit, they actually shipped one of the products that's on our price list within 10 months of actually initiating the Bangalore office. So we do a lot in the Bangalore office and we've had some very great early success that we look forward to building, continue to building on top of that. Oh, well, thank you, ma'am. And I think this sort of gives our listeners um, a sneak peek into how Menlo is operating and especially when it comes to India and what's the role of India in it. So now moving on to our next question, how uh, how do you think, how can enterprises safeguard their volumes of data from cyber attacks? Yeah, it's it's a great question, right? Like, you know, somebody said, why do you robbers rob a bank? Because that's kind of where the money is, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so when we when we think about cyber attacks, obviously the one of the main um assets that these attacks are targeting is the data that is um, is these enterprises are trying to protect. So, so when I think about data, I think about it in two dimensions of protection, right? The first protection is if the data is sitting somewhere, then you have the ability to make sure that in case it does get stolen, it is not being not cannot be used by by you know whoever steals it right and there have been protections like you know in place encryption disk encryption and things like that that ensure in in sharding right like where you don't keep the data in its entirety in one place so there are a lot of techniques that you can apply to when it comes to actually protecting the data itself and how it is stored now, the second dimension of it is access to that data, right? So when you're thinking about how are people accessing that data and ensuring that that access is protected is the second dimension that people need to be very careful about thinking in terms of their security architecture. And the second part is where Manlo comes in, right? Like we believe in prevention. So when it comes to prevention, making sure that access is 
always secure and, and the data is always protected and the bad guys don't have the ability to get a foothold into your enterprise and preventing that from happening in the first place is, is a very key dimension to your security architecture that, that every cybersecurity architect should be thinking about it in those two particular dimensions and making sure data at rest is, is protected and access to data which is either the endpoint or the network access is properly architected for protection. Okay, well, on that note, um, why why do you think web isolation is the solution to protect in case of a cyber attack? Yeah, so it's it's an excellent question and one that is probably more relevant today than ever before, right? And let me explain why I say that. So. In the past, right, this, like we said, this detection-based technologies, you could argue that, you know, if they invested enough or if they were fast enough, then they were able to, you know, control that blast radius of who was impacted by a cyber attack. Um, and, and obviously that has been an architecture and methodology that we've relied on for many years. However, recently, and actually recently meaning since the since the kind of the pandemic and the work from home and kind of the security and the application access changing and evolving, we have seen 200 to 300% increase in what we are calling heat attacks, right? Heat stands for highly evasive, adaptive threats. And what that means is now the bad guys or the threat actors are, are taking it one step further. So they actually know what do you what an enterprise has deployed to protect themselves. So the typical network security tools like a next-gen firewall um, or maybe a secure web gateway, and today, these 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 kind of attacks, the heat attacks, are being architected to specifically circumvent and go around these network network security tools that have been deployed. And for web isolation, because we are actually creating that air gap between the endpoint and the target website, and no active content is going to the endpoint. And we are uniquely architected to actually recognize these type of evasive attacks. Web isolation, as we look at the techniques being deployed today, web isolation is probably the only solution that can actually be effective in the network against these type of attacks. We've seen attacks, you know, uh, an example of a attack methodology is called HTML smuggling. And HTML smuggling is a way where you can break up a bunch of pieces of, of whatever malware you're trying to deliver and deliver it piece by piece and actually reassemble, reassemble it on the user's endpoint. This type of attack we saw very rarely over the last five, six years, we've been, we've been kind of monitoring it. And over the last two years, one in five attacks are actually using HTML smuggling. 
why the sudden increase in that technique being used is because they know that it very successfully circumvents things like next-gen firewall and secure web gateway. So more than ever before, in this kind of current remote work, hybrid work kind of environment, web isolation is uniquely applicable to protecting the users from these heat attacks. Well, thank you for such a comprehensive answer again, ma'am. And uh, that actually makes me move to the next question. How do you think, how do organizations protect their data against cyber attacks on premise and cloud? Yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting um, time that we are in right now, right? Where data actually lives in most enterprises, data actually lives both in in the cloud where people are using it with SaaS applications, right? Like Office 365, for example, is probably the most popular SaaS application out there. Um, and then of course there are enterprise applications that are probably that are still largely on premises and maybe someday can move to the cloud, but today they're still largely on premises. So so we talked about, you know, as users are using the internet and using some of these SaaS applications on the internet, we talked about how isolation can be a very important dimension in protecting them in that case. The second one, which is actually, in my opinion, um, a, a maybe more important use case because, you know, the enterprise crown jewels are still on premises. And then in that case, what we have been able to deliver again, you know, to go back to our previous topic where isolation is uniquely capable of solving for some very hard to solve problems. And what we have delivered in that particular space is what we call reverse isolation or a private access solution. In, in, in that particular case, isolation is actually sitting in front of the application and protecting the application from users who may either be intentionally or unintentionally malicious, right? So they may be trying to upload data into some application that could potentially cause the application harm or for everybody in the IT world who's kind of maybe still have scars from the log4j problem that we had um, a year or so ago, um, where a simple web browser using very simple techniques was able to create a lot of havoc in enterprise environments. Using isolation in front of your applications, we have proven in customer environments to not only protect against those log4j-like attacks, but actually future-proof those applications from attacks like that. So um, as, as um, enterprises are thinking about on-prem and cloud, it is important to kind of think about next-generation technologies that do straddle the on-prem and cloud deployments in a way that your data is protected, be it in a SaaS you know, application or in your data center, in your enterprise application, and a solution that's able to you know, provide protection across both of those. Ho hope that makes sense. And I think that addresses your question. 
Yes, ma'am, absolutely it does. And which actually makes me think about uh, the, you know, currently we are living in the world of chat GPT, it's artificial intelligence. So how do you think, what is the, if we interlink this, what is the role of artificial intelligence and machine learning in cybersecurity? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really great and interesting time in terms of technology evolution around both AI and machine learning, right? Um, and especially not, not just, you know, of course, ChatGPT gives us kind of that natural language interface that makes everything that much more accessible. But when you think about kind of the back end um, cap capability and capacity, some of these public cloud infrastructures like, you know, Amazon and Google give us, the sheer quantity of compute makes, you know, machine learning so much more powerful because once upon a time, your ability to access that level of resources was kind of limited. So, so we use machine learning in many places in our product, right? Because we are executing, you know, billions of websites in our platform. And all of that execution is generating a lot of data about all of these websites our users are accessing. And we've built an algorithm on top of that to be learning from various user patterns and be applying it to kind of policy and how people are accessing various different websites. So, so we use machine learning on a regular basis all of the time. A new feature we actually re released recently um, that we we have protection against what we call zero hour phishing sites where, you know, before anybody has detected that this is a phishing site, we can use computer vision on the logo that is deployed on that phishing site and intersect that with a number of other characteristics that we analyze about that website and generate, you know, a, a, a verdict for the user to make sure that they are either going forward with their interaction with the website or actually blocking them. So, so we use the capacity of the resources that's available to us on a public cloud infrastructure and apply it to very kind of everyday real world applications in protecting the users. Now, the second part of when you talk about chat GPT and artificial intelligence, we believe that there is a lot of, you know, um, better usage translation, like a lot of the cybersecurity, be it policy or conversations, is riddled with all of these acronyms, right? Everybody has an acronym for everything when it comes to security. And we believe by using the, you know, ChatGPT even in our product, we can make our policy management easier, our log understanding easier. Um, I think you might have seen that Microsoft actually applied some ChatGPT capabilities to, to their own security products. And, and I think, again, I look at it in two dimensions. One is the ability of, of taking large amounts of data and trying to make, make sense of it based on pattern recognition learning. And then the second part of it is simplifying all of that in a way that 
you know, you don't need everybody to know the alphabet soup to be able to navigate it, but you're making it so much more accessible. And the minute you make it accessible, you make sure that, it, you know, humans don't make errors, right? Like the more complexity you add, the harder it is and more liable for people to make mistakes. But when you use a very good, sophisticated natural language module to make it simple, then people are less likely to make mistakes and you're better protected, right? So, so as you can tell, I can talk about this for a long time. There is a lot of kind of really cool things that we can do, but kind of the co combination of the resource capacity that's available to us, marrying it with, with kind of this easily accessible um, evolution that you're, we're going through right now. So it's very exciting times. For, for both machine learning and AI, but also intersecting that with security. Well, absolutely, ma'am. And I think your answer makes it more clear for me as well as our listeners. And I, this actually makes me move to the last question for today and uh, before we end this podcast. And so the last thing that I really want to inquire about, and since I have the opportunity to know it from the best, uh, what is the growth plan of Melo Security in the near future? Look, I think, you know, when we started the company, um, we started with the vision that we want to bring this new paradigm to, to the market and use that to give our customers great protection. So I am very excited that we have largely kind of realized that vision. Obviously, we have a lot more market to reach, but it's, you know, even at the place we are in our, in our journey, we've, we have accomplished um, a lot of our initial goals. But having said that, I do believe that we have the opportunity to grow it to all of the users that don't have Menlo in its current form today. But then the more interesting and exciting thing for anybody who works in a startup is the additional innovation that we're building on top of our platform, right? So our innovation is not just innovation for the fun sake of innovation <laughs> as an engineer, but it is solving real world problems like I talked about with our heat attacks. And our growth um, is going to be fueled by taking those protection to you know new markets where we have not really focused on like the india market where i believe there is a very sophisticated buyer and like you said they are all you know dealing with the same problems with with the level of internet penetration that india has achieved um so from from a growth perspective a market like India is very interesting for us, but we also want to make sure that we bring our technology and protection to almost everybody in the world. Well, thank you, ma'am. And I do believe that organizations should become cyber resilient as data breaches are becoming very frequent and serious. It's time for organizations to heavily invest in robust uh, cybersecurity solutions to avoid data breaches and AI and ML have proven to be extremely useful when it comes to detecting cyber threats. In order to avoid cyber attacks, organizations should always be one step ahead of attackers. Organizations that have prioritized cybersecurity have seen lesser cyber attacks. So thanks so much, ma'am, for joining us today. And it was a lovely, lovely and very insightful interaction. And I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. 
So thank you so much for being on board with us. Thank you, Rangoli. I really enjoyed the conversation and look forward to follow-ups from you and from your listeners. I hope this was helpful. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. It was. Thank you so much for your time, ma'am. Thank you.